Mike Rogers is the Chief Strategy and Information Officer for Pilot Flying J, where he is responsible for the enterprise technology and digital transformation that is making the Pilot Flying J app one of the most useful on the market for customers. Whether it's automating fuel payments or making shower reservations simple and quick, Pilot Flying J's app has been making the lives of truck drivers more efficient than ever before. He talks about that and more on this special episode of IT Visionaries that was recorded live at Atlanta Connect with guest host Vidya Peters, the CMO of MuleSoft. This podcast is sponsored by the Salesforce platform, the low-code app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile-ready apps for employees and for customers. In this mini-series on all things integration, we are excited to partner with MuleSoft, the number one platform for APIs and integration. With Salesforce and MuleSoft, every business can unlock new connected experiences and drive digital transformation by connecting any app, data, or device. Learn more at mulesoft.com about. Hi, everyone. I'm Vidya Peters. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at MuleSoft. I'm recording live from MuleSoft's Connect event in Atlanta. We have a ton of CIOs, business leaders, and developers here from around the world gathered to learn more about the strategic value of integration, APIs, and application networks. Very excited um, to have with me here today, Mike Rogers, Pilot Flying J's Chief Strategy and Information Officer. It's a privilege to have you with us, Mike. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start a little bit with your title. It's pretty unusual to have someone who is the chief information officer and strategy officer. Give us a little bit more context about how that came to happen. So the context really centers around that that IT is at the center of pretty much all of our strategic initiatives and really prioritizing the strategy it has to weave its way into the technology roadmap. So in that light, we have a EPMO process or office that reports up to me that kind of decides the prioritization of initiatives that support the overall business strategies of the company. What are some examples of strategic initiatives or digital transformation initiatives that you see coming across to the EPM office that is quite new and telling of the types of challenges and projects that CIOs are faced with today? Yeah, so we talk about there's... 3.9% unemployment rate, maybe lower now, in the United States. Uh, So hiring and and getting talent across the organization, really no matter what the discipline, is a big challenge for us and many companies. So figuring out ways that we can, number one, pay people more and maybe have less people So uh, because we essentially can't hire them. So if we can become more efficient, we can pay our people more, we can keep them with us, give them better benefits, that kind of thing, and provide the technology to allow them to do more value-added work than the more mundane tasks. For example, robot, robotic process automation, right? Pushing around paper doesn't really add any value for us to pay bills. If we can automate that, we can have people that can really maybe looking at the invoices and figure out how to save money. I love that example because very rarely do you think about human resource management, recruiting, talent management as a CIO's challenge, but you just tied that to RPA. And so how did you translate that project into reality at Pilot Flying J? Uh, It's it's actually interesting. We're putting in a new... uh asset management system. We are a very asset-intense business. Think of diesel pumps, gas pumps, coolers, and so we have a lot of assets that we deploy in the business. And 
handling maintenance, paying those bills, understanding more about whether they're on warranty, that kind of thing. We spend an enormous amount of money on maintaining our plant equipment. Uh, so when we did that, we, we realized well, we've got all these bills to pay and all this analysis that needs to occur to make sure we're not overpaying and that we're sending the right work orders. We're not getting uh, duped by some vendors because they're all over the country. We have hundreds of, I should say thousands of vendors. We can't really keep, we don't know them all. So automating that process helps save a lot of money. So that was our first RPA uh, initiative was really paying maintenance invoices. I love the example that you shared yesterday at Atlanta Connect on the main stage where you talked about the trucking business and how you're digitally transforming the experience that our truck drivers are having across the country. You never think about truck driving, fueling, and some of the employee experience that comes with that with digital transformation. How are you digitizing that experience just for our listeners here? Uh, it's really becoming a mobile experience for the truck driver, just like it is in any other industry or, or retail operation. We're not selling things over the web, right? We're not an e-commerce shop. Um, at least we don't think so. But when you think about it, we just have everything that's picked up in store. There's a digital component of a very high percentage of our transactions. And I say that because time is money to a truck driver. That's how they get paid. And they got to be—they can be on the road 11 hours a day, and then they have to stop their vehicle and park it or they're going to get fined. So the, if they want to maximize their time on the road, what can we do to make that easier? So if I can take five minutes off of reserving a shower by putting it on the app, we're going to do that, which we've already done. They can reserve a shower on the app. They get a code delivered you know, right in app. Uh, they take that code, they type it into the cipher lock on the door, and the shower opens, and they have a clean shower ready to go. Fueling transactions. A uh, fueling transaction for a truck driver is not like you would be going to the gas pump and swiping our Visa card. It involves a billing card, and it could have up to 14 data prompts that they have to key into the pump. And if you go to a pilot on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you're going to see a line with the diesel pumps. It's not, it's not just you just pull up and fuel. You're going to wait. So while they're waiting, they can set the transaction up on their phone. They key in a six-digit number when they get there, and off they go. That, that saves about three to five minutes, depending on the number of prompts and the complexity of the prompts that they would have to actually enter into the pump. Take all that, put it in, the hand, in their hands in the cab while they're waiting to fuel, and then they get up there and they, they move on. So three minutes, three times a week, times 52 weeks is real time, real money to a truck driver. I love that example because when companies think of digital transformation, they're thinking about, oh, how do I connect this cutting-edge IoT device? How do I launch that new mobile app? Or how do I change the e-commerce experience? But Pilot Flying J's example is so tangible. You're taking an experience that's existed for hundreds of years, you know, people making deliveries and transportation happen, and really turning that into a very digital experience that can really improve the quality of life of, of drivers. So if you think about an API-led strategy, those are all like legacy systems that support shower reservations, fueling, I mean, very complex legacy systems. To have to think about rewriting those systems or replatforming those systems so you enable a digital strategy is not going to happen, okay, or it's going to take forever. Using an API strategy, I've connected our legacy systems with a mobile device. Right, So speed to market, the ability to deliver that capability without having to reinvent the wheel is very important to us. Now, eventually, I might want to replatform fueling or showers or whatever, but I don't have to do that to deliver a great experience. Now, we have been hearing from customers, from other CIOs, that the number of projects asked of IT has been going up at an exponential rate, strategic projects like the ones you've been driving at Pilot Flying J. But the budgets haven't. 
So how have you really made that transformation from running IT as a cost center to truly making bandwidth and space available to work mm -hmm. on more strategic initiatives like the one you described? Well, that's a really good question. Our CEO and our president would argue that the, the, what we're spending on IT hasn't gone up because it, it definitely has over the last several years. So we're investing significantly more in IT, arguably we have more demand than we can handle. Okay. Uh, we engaged Deloitte about two years ago to help us kind of figure out a way to structure intake. And what we came up with was a very, it almost sounds like it's a bureaucracy, but it really isn't. Uh, it's called an EPMO, Enterprise Project Management Office. It's led by a guy who reports to me, one of my direct reports. And who sits on that is essentially senior leaders from every business unit. So they get a purview of what everybody's asking for, and they prioritize what gets done. The other thing that it's done is it's provided discipline. The business may ask for things all the time, but they really never have a return or how is that going to get into the budget. And we've become very disciplined about saying, yeah, we're going to spend X amount of dollars on initiative X, and it's going to drive this much value. Okay, then it's going in the budget. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hold you accountable to hit those returns because we're spending real money on it. You know, IT investment is not free, so that that has somewhat throttled some of the intake. So because of the discipline, I mean, hey, if you don't have the return, if it's really nice to have, you know, we're not going to focus on that unless it, it dramatically improves the guest experience, helps our team members, or drives direct financial results. You talked a little bit about this culture of reuse, and that starts with creating this API strategy right. that you developed at PyFlyingJ. Tell us a little bit about how you've created scale for your team by reusing APIs. Yeah, that's somewhat, it's in its, I won't say infancy, we are reusing APIs. So there's things that we get consumed by applications across the company. Uh, a couple examples are location data. Right, we have a all the information about our locations, all the amenities, type of food services we have there, number of showers, number of parking places, all that stuff gets consumed by multiple applications in the organization. So we've written APIs that we can expose those internally and externally. So some of our best customers may they may want to use our location information in their workflow. We'll allow them to consume that. So we don't have to go write something. We don't have to do a you know open time SFPT transfer. They just subscribe to the API and consume that data. I think there are two things that stand out to me as you describe that. One is you're eliminating the need to do redundant integration work over and over yeah. by doing it once and then exposing it. But the second is by exposing it also externally, you've now activated this ecosystem of partners that can build on those experiences to truly create yeah. new experiences for your customers. Yeah, and make, make, make them sticky. I mean, we want to give them great service reduce friction in the transactions with us and their interactions with us. If we do that, they're going to like us. We're, we're, we're going to be a better partner to them, just like Newsoft and our other tech partners are partners to us. You talked a little bit about strategic projects that IT is working on, the continued investment in information technology at Pilot Flying J. How do you measure the impact of IT? What are some of the KPIs that you're using? Yeah, the, the impact of IT really is business enablement. Okay, so I don't look at, I'm going to go buy this technology and we're going to make this much for the business. The business is coming to us for capabilities, right? We're working together to figure out how to deliver capabilities. Those capabilities will deliver a return. Those returns end up in our financial plan. And we're really pretty disciplined about that now. In the past, not so much. But with the EPMO and that process, 
and you're gonna have to sign up for the return. You're gonna have to put it in your budget, which of course your compensation is based on. So they really wanna do these projects and they, they understand the benefit. It's gonna end up benefiting everybody. When you see some of these business enablement projects come across your desk, what are some of the key hurdles that you see in your role to achieving those? Number one, financial. So they have to they have to line up financially. The return's got to be there. We have to have the capital to invest in those projects. So there's a capital allocation process. Probably the most difficult thing is change management. So the executives, my peers, the peer right below them, they get it. They understand it. And they think because we're going to deploy this great capability, this great technology, everybody's just going to get on board. Uh, not so much. So you have to bring in, bring the people along, and you have to go through a change management process get them to buy in. They're just not going to fall in line all the time. Some will. There are going to be people that are gung-ho cheerleaders, but there's going to be some people that just don't want to change. They may have been doing their job for 20 years, and now you're upsetting the apple cart. So you have don't underestimate that. The change management is not something that is nebulous and, oh, yeah, they'll change as I told them. That's not going to happen, and you're going to end up with low adoption of, tech, of capabilities. So if you do the change management right, you'll get better adoption, and over time, you'll get 100% adoption. It won't happen day one. I think what you're touching on is, is so important because very often, particularly when you are in IT, you may think of technology purchases as the answer, but that tends to be only one half of the solution. There's the other half, as you mentioned, which is really around people and a mindset change and an organizational change. How have you led that at Pilot Flying J? I'm sure it has well, taken time. It's taken time, and I'm not saying we're perfect at it. Uh, it really is. There isn't. It isn't always a technology solution. A lot of times, it's a process issue, right? There are things we're doing that are just not don't need to be done or, or being done because that's the way we've always done them. You hear that, but I actually hear, you hear people say that, but I've actually heard that. Well, that's the way we've always done it. But why? I mean, we have to continue doing it that way. Um, so getting that buy-in from the business and, and the, the consensus to change, the last thing you want to do is go out and put in a new capability and make it just like what you were doing before, just automating it. Really, you ought to think about the process. What's the process that really should look like? How can I take unneeded steps out of it? Okay, and how can I enable it across a digital platform? It's very helpful. Mike, I'm going to ask us to maybe go through the time machine. We have a lot of listeners who are perhaps new in the CIO role, new in the IT role. And it's it's a very high-pressure job because the, the market, the conditions, the demands are changing so quickly. So if you were to go back to Mike... Rogers, starting in the new role, what advice would you give yourself? What were some of the biggest surprises that you would want to know, and what would you do differently now knowing what you have? Um, I guess that if you really go back a long way, make sure you surround your, yourself with really good people. Uh, as often as the case when you're early in your career, you think you can do it all, and you're the you know everything. Well, you know the first thing I realize is <clears throat> I don't know I don't know enough, so I need to hire good people and let them do their job. Hire the right people, let them fail, mentor them, coach them, kind of set the strategy, and then let them do their let them execute. Some of the biggest learnings I've had is probably biting off more than I can chew. So uh, I see things that we could do that are just so awesome and cool that I want to do it all. You've got to you've got to be patient and you got to pick your battles. Don't try to do everything at once. And I've done that, and it's not only painful for me; it was really hard on my team, which is the worst part. I did it to myself, but I shouldn't do it to my team. It also sounds like you started to operate differently. So it was not only about fighting off as much as you can chew, but actually maybe thinking about the problem differently to begin with. Right. Um, 
the advice I give to a lot of uh, young executives is you need to extricate yourself from the, the day-to-day minutia. And that may sound like, oh, you just want to delegate everything. No, because it allows you to be objective. When you're directly involved and you've got your head down in the war room with everybody, you're not seeing the big picture and you're not able to make really tough decisions. There could be times when you got a punt, when you've invested a lot into a project and you've just made a bad decision on which direction you should go. And I've had these where it's time to punt and you're going to have to work, you're going to have to write it off, you're going to have to start over. That's a difficult decision to make if you're in the middle of it. So when you're sitting up at the, you're at the top of the food chain, you can make those decisions, but get yourself out of the details so you can be objective. That's great advice, and I think applies to leaders across functions. Can you talk a little bit about integration challenges? They have plagued companies and IT departments for decades. How have you overcome them? I'm not sure I've overcome them. Uh, <clears throat> in some cases, we have. Uh, I mean, honestly, platforms like MuleSoft are really an integral part of that. Also, cloud solutions, the ability to use the cloud for speed to market, and really forklift things if you need a better platform. So the thinking has changed a little bit with the advent of platforms like MuleSoft in that one of the things that always plagued me was, okay, I got all this technical debt. This is, we're a 60-year-old company. We probably have applications that were written 60 years old. And you know what? They were. And to spend a lot of time forklifting them or rewriting them provides absolutely no value. So figure out a way to connect them to the new capabilities using technologies like Amusoft or others is really the way to go. And I, I, what I've started, kind of the epiphany to me is if I build great capabilities on modern platforms using an API culture, an API framework, the technical debt will start falling away. I can Then I can have time to rewrite those things or just eliminate them altogether. What are some of the biggest technology changes that you're seeing ahead? And how does that create opportunities and challenges for you and for the rest of the IT team? Um, I'm going to... One of the things we've spent a lot of time organizing and structuring our data. We're a data-rich company, and I see a couple of years ago we started thinking about AI, and we just weren't we weren't ready. I now see that AI is going to make a big difference. Machine learning, like we talked about, robotic process automation, those things are going to get a, an enormous amount of traction over the next couple of years, especially with you know the the labor situation there's not having enough so that automation is going to change the way we go to market the way we automate things the way we think about our business overall very helpful let's switch gears now and do a lightning round of questions and have some fun with what's top of mind for you these days okay okay what's your favorite api it's either our shower api or our fueling api they just you know, they provide so much utility to our our guests. They're really they're effective. You can really see the benefit of them coming into play every day. Your favorite mobile app? My favorite mobile app. Well, other than the Pilot Flying J's mobile app, uh, probably my Wells Fargo app. It does everything for me financially. That's great. Wells Fargo is a customer of MuleSoft. We're happy to <laughs> be right. there. What's your go-to publication for news? What do you like to read? Wall Street Journal. Your favorite podcast? I'm not a podcast guy. You will be after this one. <laughs> your favorite book? Um, I read a lot. Um, my favorite author is Edgar Allan Poe. The darker side of me. Your favorite CIO? Rob Carter. Why? He's been somewhat of a mentor to me. He was on the board at Sachs. He's on our board now. 
He's just a really insightful, smart guy. Just a overall good guy. The tech you're most excited about? Um, anything cloud. Your favorite project at Power Flying J? Probably a project we call Game Plan, which is a, a number of projects around our supply acquisition, fuel supply. And your favorite customer story? Um, I had a, I was out visiting stores and I had a guy come up to me and show me our app and how he used it in and out every day to rule his life and it just made me really proud that we had an impact through an app on a guy running his business. He actually was a team driver with his wife. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on this podcast, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. I know it will be very valuable to our listeners and we wish you the best at Pathline J. Thanks. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce and MuleSoft. MuleSoft just introduced API Community Manager, setting a new standard for successful API strategies. For the first time, companies can easily build connected digital experiences for their API products, empowering anyone to quickly collaborate and co-create value with a broader ecosystem of developers, partners, and employees. Learn more at MuleSoft.com platform.